morning. It is Monday, January 30th, 2023, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs. They've got one more game to play in this season. We're halfway through the college basketball season already. Jim, there's a lot going on. Welcome to you all. Glad that you're with us. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory. That is pro former policy analyst Jim Weismeyer. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Two things. I didn't. I don't like either team that's in the Super Bowl, so I may not even watch it. And I thought the refs were horrible in the Kansas City game. So you know, it's just. But as far as being back, uh, all you signal to noise uh, uh, listeners uh, and viewers who have talked to me over the last week or so. Uh, thank you for your uh, interest in the program. And there was a farmer and his son that wanted to take a picture with me, Chip. And I didn't get their name, but they were avid viewers of it. Well, so good. always appreciate that. Yes. Good, good, good. That's awesome. Good stuff, man. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. I want to start with one from over the weekend. What happened in Iran over the weekend? Uh, well, uh, it was... Israel, uh, yeah. there, yeah, they had the drone attack on an Iranian military facility, and uh, uh, it was a large uh, uh, explosion ship in, in the city of Iran's missile and nuclear uh, you know, programs where they are. So, you know, they're stepping up attacks. Yeah, uh, it's uh, boy, you talk about stirring the pot on this one, Jim. It's going to have an impact on our energy markets, isn't it? Uh, it could, and uh, Iran supplies weapons to both Russia and, uh, you know, Moscow's trying to obtain their uh, Iranian missiles, too, now. So, yeah, this is all linked together, Chip, I think. Yeah. What does it mean for uh, what's happening in Ukraine with with Russia's stepping well, it's up their advances? It, it's interesting. Each time we give something new to uh <laughs> Uh, Ukraine, their president keeps asking for more. So, yeah. uh, and uh, on their latest ask, ask for more missiles, uh, Germany just flat out said no. So, uh, but the concern here is that the longer this drags on, and drags on it will, Chip, uh, it may up the odds now for uh, Russia as opposed to Ukraine. But we're going to see. April looks like the battle. Royale, uh, you know, when the weather turns again. Yeah. Yeah. The, we're, we are far from done with this and, and far from having an impact on the grain markets and everything. Um, it's uh, it, it's mind blowing that that we're still at this point in this this conflict between Russia and, and Ukraine. Yes. Um, yes. OK. You've been traveling a lot, dude. Oh, I've never had so many speeches in January ever, Chip. Uh, last week, of course, uh, you know we were together at Top Producer in Nashville. That was a very good, uh, you know, program. Then I went to uh, uh, Chris Barron's uh, AgView in uh, in Florida. had had a very good time. He's got a very good personnel there, as far as clients and uh, excellent speakers uh, uh, up and down the program. Yeah. What have you been learning? What uh, what do you hear from farmers? Well, I'll tell you from from farmers, uh, uh, potpourri, we had uh, some of the, uh, you know, tidbits in the, uh, you know, bottom line assessments in the uh, 
page four of uh, uh, Pro Farmer this week. But, you know, this morning I reported on more than a few farmers, uh, Chip, are telling me they've had uh, some problems. I won't mention companies, uh, but some, you know, farm equipment repair. Uh, uh, it's just taken too long. You know they think, and and I think it could hurt some sales of of uh, certain companies in the in the months ahead. That the complexity of crop insurance programs now, as far as the number of possible options, is mind boggling. And uh, I've seen many a crop insurance programs now over the past month, Chip. And you really do need a a program, and they're out there. You know, you know, very you know, Farm Credit System has a very good one. Optimum, I think it's called. And you really need that, Chip, because there are so many variables now that, that a farmer can uh, uh, attach, uh, attach on to. Right. And I'll tell you that, that it makes a very big difference which option you choose. Oh, yeah, it certainly does. And, and uh, there's also options available for livestock producers that we need to talk about as well. What, what are you hearing on carbon credits from, from farmers? Very, very cautious. And I think rightfully so myself, even though there are some good companies offering some you know, credits out there. But farmers have uh, closely watched the European Union on this, Chip. And uh, EU is providing much higher uh, carbon credits. So I, I think we're, we're uh, far far away from getting, uh, you know, comparable uh, offers to the farm sector. I would be very cautious if I was a farmer in, 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 in signing any contracts. Right. Right. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm moderating another panel for Indigo on Wednesday, I believe it is. And uh, we'll be talking about some of the payments that, that Indigo is making again, they've made their second round of payments and, the note that you've got in from this morning, one of the reasons that that uh, there's a hesitation among U.S. farmers to sign on to this is farmers in other countries are getting paid a whole lot more. Yes, yes. And that goes into we just don't know how to price it yet in this country. And I don't know why we're not learning more from the European Union's perspective and history of this chip. So I just, I see a very cautious attitude on the part of, I think the majority of farmers that they're going to wait and see. Now they think that there's a future for this. And of course uh, they, they, they have Dumbo ears when they hear USDA secretary, Tom Vilsack say this could possibly be the next farmer revenue stream. So right. that they, they're not giving up on it for sure. No, no, that's right. That's right. Um, talk to me about the emergency relief program phase two. ERP2. I saw several presentations, one by our you know good friend uh, Paul Niefer and a couple of other ones. And in the calculation of the phase two, there's my, you have to go minus, 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 you know, certain programs. Yeah. And yeah, I've heard a lot of times at the most you'd get $2,000, but a lot of farmers won't qualify. The concern chip here is among some farmers is that this is the approach there. They fear that this is the approach USDA may take for future ag disaster programs and they want no part of this. So uh, I don't think this is going away there, you know, criticism of how phase two is unwinding. Okay. What have you heard from farmers regarding the farm bill? And it's out there. There was a a uh, representative Thompson is often running with some some listening sessions, isn't he? 
Yes, and there's going to be a hearing in the Senate this uh, Wednesday uh, on trade and food aid. So that tells you their focus that they're starting with. But farmers, I think, have bought into more than a few land-grant college professors uh, predicting that it won't be done this year. Uh, they asked me about that, and I says, well, some of those people, including Dr. Joe Outlaw, Texas A&M, are pretty sharp cookies. But I think it's just too soon to ring the uh, no farm bill bell. Uh, I told him, I said, listen February 7th to President Biden's State of the Union address, because if, if he lists the farm bill as one of the topics that he thinks uh, Democrats and Republicans can get a bipartisan agreement on. I think it could give it some momentum. And of course, we've had, uh, you know, G.T. Thompson, the House Ag Committee chairman on AgriTalk, and, uh, you know, Debbie Stabenow is the chairwoman on the Senate Ag Committee. Both of them want a farm bill this year. So I'm not giving up on it yet this year. And yeah. in fact, some of the pre-writing of the farm bill is already going on on the Senate side. Uh, they're, uh, if you've got the two leaders that are committed to it, then I, boy, you can't count them out until the last, until it, until we get an extension or something. I wouldn't. No, yeah. I wouldn't. And and the, uh, the the voters are telling both political parties enough of this uncivility. Get some stuff done that makes sense. Not just throw yeah. money at them, but a farm bill is a significant piece of legislation. Now, some people think that we may be better off without a new farm bill, just an extension of the current one, Chip, because of the possible draconian amendments that could be offered. But I don't think you win by losing. Uh, uh, I think the ag educators can, can, can convince uh, the naysayers of uh, farm programs that, uh, you know, sugar program, crop insurance, they have a story to tell. So I wouldn't back off on, uh, uh, on that one. So we're just starting. Uh, but uh, with the passion of uh, G.T. Thompson and the history of uh, Debbie Stabenow knowing how to get a bill done. Uh, yeah. I just think the verdict is still out, Jim. Yeah. Funding is a major issue for this, isn't it, Jim? Yeah. The 10 year cost is going to be $1.1 trillion or higher. And there's the problem, Chip, because look at the look at the gap that we've seen in the title one the you know farmer safety net we, we've had the need for multi-billion dollar uh ad hoc disaster uh, programs but will there be the fervor to to have another one uh this year i'm not yeah. quite so sure so that really says uh we need we need to improve the safety net now uh, that that really means more funding and uh gt thompson along with the house budget uh, uh committee chairman uh, are not predicting more funding but they're not ruling it out either but uh, we have big gaps in that title yeah. one because uh, you know look at the price you know look at the reference prices on corn soybeans wheat and and, uh, and 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 other commodities it's just not fit for for you know, for this day and age it should be improved right right okay um as long as we're talking about spending we've got a debt ceiling that's facing the country uh and it sounds like uh, mccarthy is going to to go to the White House for a meeting this week. 
Yeah, this Wednesday. Now, the, the Senate is letting the two handle it for now. Now, what McCarthy, a Republican from California, he's got more than a few Republicans in his part, in, in, in his sector, wanting to uh, tie link this in with uh, budget reform and, and debt reform and 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 uh, reductions in spending of entitlement programs. They haven't detailed which ones for sure. They've kind of ruled out Medicaid and Social Security, I think, as third rail items, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but the Democrats are trying to draw out the Republicans for their list of cuts. And I think that's more of a political endeavor. But I think there is a link to the farm bill here as well, Chip, because uh, hopefully they'll, they'll come to a solution by late June or sometime in July when this will really come to a crux because of the uh, timeline that uh, they've run out of uh, extraordinary uh, 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 end arounds, you know, on, on the debt limit. But if they can get this done, I would up the odds that you're going to have a farm bill because this is just just as complex, if more so you know, than a farm bill. So that's another reason I'm watching, uh, uh, you know, this one very closely. Yeah. A uh, question from Melody just came in here. Good morning, Melody. She says, how can we stabilize a farm bill with foreign trade and transportation costs up in the air? Uh, well, There's lots of moving parts to it, Melody. We'll, I'll give yeah. you that. Yeah. Now we've we've seen some uh, some positive developments on the transportation costs, not totally, but uh, and we're starting the resourcing, if you will, uh, which will take a number of years uh, to not to rely on China and other Asian countries, Taiwan, etc., as much, and we're going to source it more out of here. Uh, on the logistics side, uh, Mexico, Canada, uh, etc. Again, that's not going to happen. Uh, overnight. Now, she said transportation cost, and what else, Chip? Foreign trade. Foreign trade so is just a huge question mark because, you know, frankly, that is a growing concern amongst the trade experts that I talk with because you could have uh, elements of protectionism uh, 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 around the world, and, and that's not good. So, but uh, hopefully we'll turn that uh, uh, corner and go back to a more traditional approach of trade policy. I think you're going to see that this year where we seek market access with new trade agreements. And I think the obvious one is the uh, United Kingdom. If we can't get a FTA, a free trade agreement with the United Kingdom, we're in trouble. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, th I think there's some positives that could take place by the end of the year on that one, Jeff. You know, I, I had a panel last week at TPS, The Future of Global Grain Flows. And it was Steve Freed from ADM Investor Services. Uh, it was Matt Roberts from Terrain. And it was uh, former UN Ambassador Kip Tom, uh, Indiana farmer as well. And uh, the for, on, on one hand, to maintain relations with some of the developing countries that still need some influence, uh, you've got to stay very, very involved in global grain trade. On the other hand, the domestication of the market, corn, soybeans, seems to be happening and happening at a, at a fairly quick pace to the point that even with corn, if we, when we export corn, we may be exporting pork, poultry, and and beef products rather than exporting the corn. Uh, 
it it's it, 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 there's a lot happening out here on the on the global trade. Yeah, I, I can't refute that totally, but I don't buy into the total uh, movement. Some people say uh, that we're going to move, again, what you just said, more domestically on the grain side, but uh, with, the pro with the unbelievable industrial revolution, the new one going on in the U.S. ag sector, some of these presentations I heard uh, you know, over, over this past month, uh, it's just unbelievable. It's just not if come chip. It's here now with our uh, with our uh, use of driverless uh, trucks, uh, with the use of digitization, uh, with the increased use of drones, ag robots. Bottom line, that's a, in the not too distant future. I think some of it's happening now. We're going to lower the cost of logistics and transportation, making U.S. Uh, grain exports uh, more, more competitive. And uh, we, we're, we're, gonna, we're yeah. gonna show Brazil and Argentina what we're up to, and that's called innovation in America. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Jim, go ahead and check out some of those uh, comments that are coming in. I wanna see if you wanna comment on any of those. Uh, at the same time, I'll set the stage for the FOMC meeting starts tomorrow ends on wednesday february 1st uh the overriding expectation on this one is that we're going to see another quarter point increase in the federal funds rate and uh that's pretty well baked into the market at this point, isn't it? Oh, it is. And I think probably another 25 basis points uh, later. Uh, and then the, the key as usual, Chip, will be what we call the presser, uh, you know, Fed yeah. Chairman Jerome J. Powell, what he says uh, about the timing, when they're going to just stop increasing, and then how long it will take for them to actually decrease. The, uh, many in the market think that a decrease will actually come yet this year, in the second half of this year. But the Fed keeps saying no. They, they keep saying 2024. So we'll have to see if there's any change on that one in the press conference at 2.15 Eastern time on Wednesday, Jeb. So that's the big focus. Of course, then you have the jobs report coming out on Friday. I right. think the, the Fed may get a sneak peek at that. I'm not quite sure, but uh, they probably get a sneak peek at that. But yeah, we're into this. Th that's one of the positive things I mentioned in my speeches, Jeb, because I think too many in this great country are, are getting too negative. We have some positives going on. And even though we may be in a mini recession later on this year, I don't think it's going to be that severe, nor will it last that long. But once the market realizes the Fed is done increasing and can come to a consensus on when they'll actually start decreasing rates again. That'll give a, a thrust to the uh, uh, economy. Plus the second positive I usually relate is China's coming back into the uh, world market. Now there's pluses and minuses in that on inflation as they're a big uh, energy buyer and things like that. But I think net result, uh, they're going to you know, step up trading with the you know Southeast Asian countries. So your demand is going to flow again. And the third positive I mentioned, we've already talked about this industrial revolution going on in agriculture that will make us uh, more competitive. And those are three in the protein market uh, that that's, you know, going to, uh, you know, do us in, you know, pretty good steed in the years ahead. Right. 
Right. Okay. Let me see another one. The $30 bales of alfalfa here on in Northern Arizona, hoping all the alfalfa fields don't get purchased by foreign investors. <laughs> now, there's going to be a, 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 a group, an association group hearing, if you will, on the issue of um, foreign investment in U.S. farmland. Mm -hmm. Former President Trump has already said if he if he's elected president again, that he will prohibit China from purchasing U.S. farmland. And that is a topic that I usually get, Chip, now in, in my speeches. What about uh, the, the uh, you know, farmland being purchased? Now, China has uh, uh, only, I think they're under 1% of all U.S. farmland. So it's relatively low, but it's where they're purchasing it it's, in Fargo, yeah. the Fargo area near airports. So uh, I think it will be a growing issue uh, 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 in this town. Usually you don't want to fool around with that, but boy, there's some geopolitical concerns about China. No, oh, certainly is. Okay, let's move on. What's happening over at EPA? Is is Administrator Regan getting ready to leave? Why can't we get some movement on the E15 for some of the states? What's going on? Yeah, it's been, you talk about dragging out. It's been 200, more than 270 days ago that the group of attorney generals uh, requested this waiver. I think the total is about nine States. So uh, seven of those states, uh, Chip sent a letter to Regan saying, hey, what's up? Because, uh, you know, there's a risk that E15 gasoline won't be available during the 2023 summer. So I have no idea. Uh, we put calls into EPA. Uh, when is this going to be done? So they're dragging their feet. Now, there was a report uh, last week uh, I think Bloomberg was the first re to report that Regan may be leaving. Then Reuters quoted uh, the uh, EPA office saying, "No, he has no plans to uh, leave." So, but usually, there there's usually some truth in the uh, uh, initial stories. You don't just make those up. So, and also uh, the uh, RFS uh, program, Renewable Fuel Standard Program, which is a litigator's delight. Uh, on Friday, a, a Fifth uh, Circuit Court of Appeals granted a request from two small refiners, Chip, that they'd be allowed to halt their compliance under the uh, RFS because they were denied those small refiner uh, exemptions, the uh, uh, SRE. Yeah. So that's going to be watched closely by those who were also had their had had their request rejected. So it was uh, San Antonio Refinery and the Calumet uh, Refining. They challenged the EPA and apparently won. Okay. All right. Um, there's other hearings uh, going on this week. I, I love that we're the House Oversight and Accountability uh, Committee is going to have a hearing on COVID spending and try to figure out where a lot of this money went. Well, you know, it's just like all the money we're sending uh, Ukraine. Uh, it's going to be almost impossible to get a full accounting. And whenever you spend that much money, Chip, there's there's fraud, uh, just yeah. especially in the COVID area. But I think, yes, there should be accountability. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, let the digging in uh, begin. Yep. And the House Judiciary Committee is going to have a hearing on the Biden border crisis. Are, for a long time, Jim, you've been optimistic that even with this Congress, we can get some meaningful immigration reform done. 
you still leaning that way? Well, yeah, but yes, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not cocky on that, Chip. But again, we're going to see. I'm not going to write it off the first month of the new year of the uh, of the third year of Biden and the first uh, month of a new Congress, uh, especially since our president went down a couple Sundays ago to the border. That tells you he's probably going to run for re-election and he needs some solutions down there now. Now, if they can work a deal out with wary Republicans, uh, the Republicans must have border security in many different areas. Once they get that chip, then they'll probably work some deals with the Democrats. But we're not there yet. But again, I think it depends a lot on the attitude on the part of Democrats. Of course, utmost is President Biden. And this should be addressed in his State of the Union. So that's okay. the second time I've mentioned that. I'm going to take my next uh, gut check on what Biden says in his State of the Union okay. on you know border security and uh, reform. And uh, agriculture needs workers, and we need that reform. Right. Right. Uh, okay, I'll get to a question from Gary here in a moment. Um, last week, the House passed some legislation that will limit Biden's ability to use the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. What, what, what exactly is going on there, and what's the next step for that? Well, I think it was needed. It was more of a signal chip because it will not clear the Senate. But I think it was a message bill. But it's you. not. Go, it will not clear the Senate. Plus, uh, he would veto it anyway, and they wouldn't right. have the votes to override. But it's a it's it's a direct and clear signal to the White House. Hey, uh, enough already on 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 the tapping of this. Yep, uh, Gary said. Speaking of, of money. A thought on how they're going to handle the latest Social Security issues. I thought that some news broke over this. Earlier, you said that uh, Social Security is kind of a third rail. They're not going to touch it. Oh, they will touch it. They oh. will because they have to. Yeah. Okay. But they have to touch it the right, <laughs> the right way. And it was the way uh, former President Ronald Reagan helped uh, work the deal on Social Security when it was last in trouble of funding chip. They're going to raise the eligibility date for Social Security. Not anywhere near those near Social Security eligibility, but the younger people. We're living longer. You can make a case for that. I think it'll just be a few years, but that saves a lot of money, Chip. And uh, uh, what we just uh, said in what, a minute? It'll take Congress about three years to uh, legislate <laughs> that, but it's coming. It's coming okay. for sure. That's right. Social Security. Now, Medi Medicare and Medicaid really gets dicey here, but uh, seventy about around 70% of all spending is entitlement programs. Uh so it has to be looked at when you have a $31.4 trillion uh, debt uh, that's going to have to be dealt with because now our our debt is more than our annual gross domestic product. So we just can't grow our way out of this one. So some key decisions in the years ahead uh, uh, on this one, we better have leaders in the White House uh, in the uh, legislative branch. Yep, that's right. Jim, did you see that GM is making a big investment in uh, V8, internal combustion engines? 
Yeah, I saw that last week and I couldn't be on AgriTalk and I was going to add the perspective that GM also previously said it was investing over $35 billion through 2025 in electric vehicles. Now, whether or not they're going to follow through on that, I think is up in the air. But uh, I, I think they... Uh, the, the announcement last week that they were putting, what, uh, almost a billion dollars in the uh, uh, next generation V8 engine, I think that needed balance on that. And that's when I, over the weekend, I did some research on that one and and, and found out again that uh, they've already committed $35 billion right. through 2025. Plus, last summer, they got uh, granted a loan of $2.5 billion for further uh, EV battery battery development. And yeah. you're going to see uh, the uh, auto numbers come out later this week, Chip, you know, auto sales. Yep. And watch that percentage jump again for EVs. I think it'll be 7% or higher. Uh, the trend is up on, on EVs. Now, a lot of farmers have told me, yeah, they don't, uh, it won't work for them uh, on the farm. Uh, that's not the initial thrust out there, but it's going to get better and better as the, as the years go on. You know, that's my bias is yeah. all the, the best technology is going, some, most of the best technology is going into EVs. Uh, we of course have to improve our electric grid. We've put the billions of dollars of money to do that. Your battery charges are have the funding out there to put it along the interstate highway system and elsewhere. But you know, I'm still not sure whether it's going to be to driving electric vehicles, whether it's going to be batteries or hydrogen. And that that battle is still underway, Chip. So uh, whoever can lower their costs the most. Uh, relative to getting the price down for electric vehicles, but you can just see each year the 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 price now on the super ones they're they're higher than heck. But uh, Elon Musk uh, last week significantly lowered the price of uh, his electric vehicles, so they're going to garner more market share. Bottom line, uh, unless I'm unless I can see arguments otherwise, we're we're going on the path for a significant increase in the next ten years in electric vehicles. Well, the largest car se seller in the world has decided a go slow approach on EVs is best. Toyota. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and they're probably a little bit like Apple in the early days of the uh, iPhone. They weren't the first ones with the uh, with the phones, Chip. They just made them better, right? And uh, you know, they 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 bided their time. The same thing on the tablets. The same thing with computers. I think Toyota is very similar to Apple in that regard. You know, we still got to make a lot more electricity in this country before we get too far down this path. Steve Cornett. Hey, Steve. It's good to hear from you here. Uh, how much attention in D.C. to the development of solar and wind on prime farmland? Uh more than you would think. I know in my driving uh, through farm country this past month, I, I know I saw a lot of more windmills than I have in, in just in last year. Uh, yeah. So, and the money is there, Steve. Uh, it's just like what I tell farmers uh, on, on, on climate change and the carbon credits, U.S. taxpayers are throwing billions of dollars at this issue 
uh, and uh, $20 billion for conservation programs already yeah. done, Chip. That's in addition to the funding we already spent, uh, spend on conservation programs. So when the pie is passed, take a piece, whether yeah. or not you agree with it or not, what price pride. But uh, no, we're going to need all of the above. And solar and wind fit that category. When you say on prime farmland, that's an issue of what of what uh, the, the you know sensitive I issues there, but um, more than a few farmers tell me their check on the windmills is a good one, depending on where you are on the uh, how close you are to the electric grid. I think yeah. it's based on that, and some interesting new type of contracts are being multiple year ones are are being made out there. So it's another revenue stream, and that echoes what uh, Vilsack has been saying on farm income. Yeah. It just that doesn't necessarily have to come from the farm. In fact, he's focusing on the small to medium farmers, uh, yep. and uh, that's just another avenue that they can take. All right, Jim and I are going to keep the conversation going this morning on AgriTalk. That's at 10.06 Central Time. Also going to get an update from Machine Repeat this afternoon. Brian Basting from Advanced Trading will be my guest. Have a great week, everybody. Keep watching for those signals. Mm -hmm.